Canada's role in resettlement uh, goes back many years and is very well established. And Canada is very much regarded as a, as a champion and a, a, a global leader in resettlement. In fact, in 2018 and 2019, Canada was the largest resettlement country in the world. Uh, unfortunately, that trajectory took a turn for the worse with um, COVID last year, mm -hmm. where we really did see resettlement figures plummet as a result of movement restrictions mainly. But Canada has really led um, the way in many respects, and and the the private um, sponsorship program is is very much a unique um, Canadian homegrown uh, expression of solidarity to displaced people around the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hello, and welcome back to Point of Entry, a podcast created and hosted by the Refugee Centre. Join us as we explore the experiences and challenges faced by many newcomers to Canada at various stages in their journeys. Transcending Borders, Point of Entry offers an exclusive into the voices behind the numbers and the policies behind the actions. Travel alongside the Refugee Centre as our alternating hosts, as well as our captivating guests, guide us through the resettlement process in Canada and introduce us to the inner workings of grassroots organizations here in Montreal. My name is Natasha, and I'm just here to introduce you to our second episode, because the conversation you are about to hear was pre-recorded in June for the Refugee Center's World Refugee Week event. Our executive director, Abdallah Daoud, who you met last week, had the chance to have a discussion with the UNHCR representative for Canada, Rima Jamous. With that being said, let's get into it. I hope you all enjoy. My name is Abdullah Dawood. I'm with the Refugee Centre and with me is uh, Rima Jamous. She's the Canadian representative for the UNHCR. Uh, before we start, I would like to um, do a land acknowledgement and uh, say that the Refugee Centre is located in unceded Indigenous land. We respect the Kanwangahage uh, Nation as the custodians of this lands and the water in which we gather here today and the Joe territory as a gathering of the place of the First Nations. With that being said, um, Thank you for joining uh, World Refugee Week. Uh, this is kind of a series that we started to kind of showcase all the different uh, amazing things that the community has been doing with refugees here in Canada internationally. So with that being said, uh, here we have uh, Rima Jamous. Uh, if you would like to kind of do a quick intro uh, about you know, who you are, how you came up to be with the UNHCR, and uh, we'll go from there. Super, thank you very much, Abdullah. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, big week and big event to mark World Refugee Day and a number of other things taking place this week, including the launch of our, our Global Trends Report, which tells us basically the state of the world's displacement. And I'll, I'll share some messages with you about that. Um, I am uh, a the UNHCR representative here in Canada. I started my career with UNHCR in 2017. Uh, before that, I was working for the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs for the Middle East and North Africa region. And prior to that, I was working in the UN's Department of Political Affairs. So um, a number of years in the United Nations system and fortunate enough to serve in many different locations um, and very happy to be with you here today from Ottawa. Awesome. 
Uh, a little background here, the Refugee Center has worked with UNCR in the past. They're, they're an amazing organization here in Canada that does a lot of great advocacy work. So speaking to kind of the public, um, not a lot of people are, are familiar with the UNHCR is and what they stand for and what they do. So you want to walk us through, you know, what the UNHCR does here in Canada versus kind of like the global mission of the UNHCR in general. Sure. So the UNHCR is the UN's refugee agency. The United Nations is, is composed of several different agencies with mandates that span everything from children's rights to health uh, and, and refugee affairs is what we concentrate on. And our mandate essentially requires us to safeguard the rights and well-being of refugees and displaced people around the world. Uh, here in Canada, we have a presence that goes back some decades um, and that coincided really with the establishment of the Immigration and Refugee Board of Canada. Um, and initially we were set up uh, to try and support the, the building of that, that asylum system here in Canada and the independent refugee um, processing uh, body. And over time, that role has expanded as Canada has developed a very strong and sophisticated asylum system. Our role has expanded to doing other things, uh, including giving guidance and support to uh, the Canadian authorities, to partners in Canada working on refugee issues. Uh, we appear before the courts to provide uh, expert advice on the interpretation of the Refugee Convention and the way that rights are being um, implemented for refugees around the world. We do a lot of advocacy, trying to shine a light on uh, the operations that we have in 135 countries around the world. So trying to bring awareness and attention to the, to the plight of refugees in those countries um, and to share with Canadians directly from, from those locations, some of the challenges that people are facing and also trying to mobilize uh, support from, from the Canadian public uh, for those causes and, and for action that would hopefully contribute to positive outcomes in those places. Okay. Well, it's a lot to unpack. So you guys do a lot. Um, so, we do, and Abdullah, yeah. I would be sorry. I would yeah. completely be remiss if I didn't mention yeah. the, the resettlement support that exactly. we offer, which yeah. is obviously one of the most visible solutions for refugees here in mm -hmm. Canada. Okay, so let's touch upon that. That was my question, actually. You, you touched right upon that. So let's talk about resettlement. So how does the UNHCR in Canada play a role in resettlement uh, with the Canadian government, uh, both like internationally and, and domestically? And what are your thoughts kind of, on the private rescue refugee resettlement program that exists within Canada is kind of unique to Canada um, versus like kind of the rest of the world. Indeed, um, Canada's role in resettlement uh, goes back many years and is very well established. And Canada is very much regarded as a as a champion and a, a, a global leader in resettlement. In fact, in 2018 and 2019, Canada was the largest resettlement country in the world. Uh, unfortunately, that trajectory took a turn for the worse with um, COVID last year, mm. where we really did see resettlement figures plummet as a result of movement restrictions mainly. But Canada has really led um, the way in many respects. And, and the, the private um, sponsorship program is, is very much a unique um, Canadian homegrown uh, expression of solidarity to displaced people around the world and, it, and it, it's it's something that has um, been exported as a model to other countries. I think it's a 
it's a remarkable program um, because anybody can write a check and support um, you know, humanitarian causes, which is a wonderful thing to do, but it takes a whole other level of commitment um, to really open your, your home and your life um, and your time and dedicate all of that to helping uh, give a family a new start at a new life, a new chance to rebuild and, and um, seek a better future. And that's a really hands-on involved commitment which Canadians take on through the private sponsorship program. Uh, we also have, of course, government assisted refugees and that's where UNHCR plays a role in trying to identify those who are most in need of resettlement as a solution. And so we liaise with our colleagues around the world in trying to identify those cases. And particularly, uh, you know, we have very strong systems in place and, and operations globally where that, that work is done, um, where people are identified and the processing takes place. And then on this side, we, we support very much in, in that role, but also in helping in cases of emergency resettlement, because from time to time, you do have very urgent protection needs that require fast action. Um, so that's part of what we do here as well. So uh, what constitutes like emergency situations or fast action situations where the government kind of needs to step in? And like, how does the university go through that process? Right. Well, these are really unique cases and they, I, they really are a very tiny proportion of the overall resettlement um, program in Canada and globally. And these are really moments where it's life or death. Um, and, and it's an emergency relocation that's required because in the country of asylum, the individual faces um, a direct threat uh, to their lives. And so these are very, very uh, unique circumstances and certainly not a, 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 a solution that's available for many refugees. In fact, we have many more refugees in need of resettlement than we actually have resettlement places around mm -hmm. the world. Um, and that's a constant struggle trying to, to really prioritize the most vulnerable of the vulnerable who can avail of those very limited resettlement places. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, yeah, that's definitely interesting. So now, uh, given that there's a uniqueness in the private sponsorship program here in Canada, has the UNHCR worked with private organizations to kind of also uh, create resettlements, not just through the government program, but through, you know, because now there's a lot of community organizations that also sponsor refugees. Uh, is that something that the UNHCR is doing or, or looking to do or has done? Not directly, um, mm -hmm. because I think there really is a vibrant um, and quite sophisticated private sponsorship um, community of organizations across the country. And, and we haven't directly worked on that particular track of resettlement. One thing we have been doing as of late is working closely with the Canadian government to expand and innovate new solutions. Because as I said, refu refugee resettlement is a, is a really, really... Um, small solution for refugees around the world. And so we're constantly looking for ways to expand the base and offer more places for people to restart their lives. And in Canada, again, um, a new concept has taken root. Um, it's something called labor mobility. You might have also heard it referred to as a, as a complementary pathway, which is what the Global uh, Compact for Refugees speaks to. 
And essentially what we're trying to do is help grow a program where skilled refugees can be matched up with employers in Canada, where you have sectors that there are persistent labor shortages in. Um, and then those refugees are resettled to Canada, but not as refugees. They come in as economic immigrants. Um, so that means they hit the ground running. They have a sustainable means of employment. They're able to um, quickly advance in the integration process. And more importantly, it frees up a resettlement place for someone else. So this is something that we've been spending quite a bit of time on recently. And now for a quick break to give you our WhatsApp segment with Lauren from TRC. This month at the center, we have a series of new and exciting wellness services, with the first one being a reintroduction to our individual wellness support and support groups in collaboration with the Sexual Assault Center of McGill Student Society. TRC is also starting an art therapy group for newcomer mothers in collaboration with the Montreal Museum of Fine Arts, as well as offering individual art therapy referrals with the Montreal Therapy Center. This incredible opportunity is for anyone looking to be expressive and creative while showing off their art skills. If you or someone you know is interested, head to the Refugee Centre website. In other news, TRC is also proud to announce our new Community Talks project, a series of workshops aimed to support organizations in refugee and immigration related issues. So stay tuned to our socials to sign up or learn about our upcoming dates. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of Point of Entry. Yes, that's interesting. So basically, you're using the economic streams that exist within Canada for uh, immigration and, and, and connecting them to, to, to people in need. So that's definitely... Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there was another organization called uh, Talent Without Borders that also works, works on that as well. Yeah, this is something we've, we've also here at the Refugee Centre have been, have been working on, but uh, very cool stuff. So speaking kind of more in the same arena of advocacy, uh, what challenges do you see in Canada, right? Like, what can, we've talked a lot about what Canada is doing right. And, you know, there are all these great innovations in Canada because of such a welcoming atmosphere. And, and, and you'll be able to have all these partners to talk, to talk to when it comes to refugee resettlement. But what in Canada are we not doing so well? And what can be done to, to improve it? Right. Well, I think that's a difficult conversation to have without talking about COVID, right? Because yeah. those are, COVID has now presented the most um, difficult challenge to the fundamental refugee norms and, and the regime that we have been, you know, working with for the last 70 years. And, and so COVID and border closures and lockdowns has meant that refugees, unfortunately, asylum seekers around the world have really been challenged in, in gaining access to territory and being able to pursue asylum claims. We, we know that 164 countries had completely closed borders um, during the peak of the pandemic. And something in the order of 90 have, at the time, had no exceptions for asylum seekers whatsoever. So that's, you know, that's an important thing to, to note because it's also had an impact here in Canada where a very limited number of asylum seekers are actually able to access Canada and to pursue their claims. Um, so we really look forward to a full reopening um, and, and ensuring that people in need of protection are able to access uh, that here in Canada. Um, and, and we've been saying to Canadian authorities as well as countries around the world that there are ways to ensure the safety of the public and, and their health at the same time, you know, respecting and honoring um, your international legal obligations and allowing that access to territory. So 
that's one area I think we're really looking forward to a return to what we had pre-COVID. Um, and then the other one is resettlement. Resettlement has, has drastically reduced. Um, again, this is not something unique to Canada. It's, it's a reaction to the global situation, the restriction of flight uh, routes, the closure of borders and, and you know, movement challenges and travel um, shutdowns around the world. But resettlement last year was the lowest figure in 20 years. Um, so there were people around the world who, who basically saw solutions vanish um, right before their eyes. And we're really hoping to get that up and back to scale very quickly here in Canada. So that that's interesting because that brings you up to, to, to kind of the next topic of COVID-19. Like we've had a lot of people submit through our Instagram and, and TikTok now that we have it, um, questions uh, about COVID-19 resettlement. And one of the biggest fears, uh, especially for organizations like ours, is uh, the government tends to the government tends tends to uh, set precedent and then kind of stick to it. So uh, one of the bigger fears is uh, now that we've kind of closed the borders or we, Canada has reduced resettlement numbers, um, going back to the status quo before COVID nineteen might be a much harder task to do, uh, given that uh, now it's becoming kind of like. Uh, the status quo now, as in resettlement, is, is these are the numbers and the figures that they're dealing with today. Is that a fear that the UNHCR has too? To be honest with you, we've got no signs or indications that that's the mm. intention. And, and quite the contrary, I think Canada's really been held up as an example of how to do this as best as possible um, during times of COVID. So we're really hoping that Canada stays true to those values and that long tradition of being um, a champion and a leader in this area. Uh, at, you know, we have uh, frequent uh, discussions and, and interactions and touch points with our colleagues in, in IRCC. And, you know, I think it's safe to say that on, on the operational side of things that they are just as keen to get things back up and open and running. Canada has set some very ambitious resettlement targets. Mm -hmm. And um, we know from, from everything they've told us that they're keen to get back mm -hmm. to the levels that we had before. And we certainly hope that that's the way we're going to go. That's awesome news. That's really good to hear. Um, so uh, now let's go to this dreadful topic of, of global trends. Um, I know in 2019, when the UNHCR released the report, we had the highest ever uh, population in need of resettlement, and I think in, in, in history. Um, you know, 2020 is coming up. Uh, I don't think these numbers are, are going to be decreasing given, given the pandemic and what's going on. So what is the UNHCR projecting? Um, uh, how do they feel about it and what are the kind of solutions that the UNCR is looking for in terms of the data that they've acquired? You're absolutely right um, that unfortunately the numbers are dire and they paint a very bleak picture. In fact, last year, you know, the main message to the world when we released our report for 2019 was we've hit an all-time record high of displacement and we never wanted to reach this milestone. And this year, we're actually finding that unfortunately we have surpassed that figure. And so we even have a higher level of displacement this year. Um, and, and when you consider that 2020 was the COVID year where borders were closed um, and people were struggling with the pandemic and you had the UN Secretary General calling on you know, all countries around the world to 
to lay down their arms and to have a global ceasefire so we could tackle the challenges of COVID, even with all of that, the number increased. Um, and, and where we saw big increases were in IDP populations. So people who are internally displaced within the borders of their own countries, we saw further rises in displacement in many locations in the world, um, which is regrettable. And, and really the main finding of this report is that despite all of those things, um, you know, world leaders really have failed to address the, the root causes of displacement, to tackle the conflict and the violence and the persecution that drives so much of these movements. And what we have, you know, going forward is, is a really challenging situation, um, but it's manageable and it can be dealt with. If you see, you know, countries coming together and trying to find meaningful and durable solutions to some of these underlying problems, you can reverse that. And, you know, most of the world's refugees come from five countries. If you can just address the problems in one of those countries, you'd be opening the door to allowing millions of people to return home. Uh, similarly with, with internally displaced populations, if you can actually address the causes of the displacement, you know, that, that are unfolding in, in those countries, people will be able to return uh, to their homes. So it's, these are big problems and, and big numbers, but they are well within our reach to, to address and to, to, to resolve. Mm -hmm. So that brings me, like, I want to touch upon something you said about coming back or going back home. So now we've started to see in, in particular countries in Europe and, and other areas of the world, um, countries sending back individuals uh, to areas that, are not completely deemed safe by the UNHCR yet. Um, uh, is this a problem that you see growing as, as the UNHCR? And is this something um, that uh, people in Canada should be worried about? Is that, is that uh, a, a, a policy that more countries are looking to adopt? Or is this something kind of unique that only has been kind of arising recently? Well, I mean, right now it's it's very contained and very limited uh, to just a few countries. And you're absolutely right that we, you know, although return to one's home country is the ultimate goal and solution, um, they should never do that before it's safe to do so. And they should only do that in a, in a way that is voluntary and dignified and sustainable, right? And until you have the conditions on the ground that allow for that to happen, uh, you know, people really need to consider the consequences of, of a premature return. And unfortunately, we've seen that in some places of the world. We've seen it in Venezuela, we've seen it in Syria, where the conditions are so desperate and have been magnified by COVID and the consequences of COVID that people feel like they have no choice but to return to the place they fled from because things have gotten so bad where they are. Mm -hmm. So I, I really, you know, take this moment to, to emphasize that the message around the world has been that countries should continue to respect the obligations they signed up for, to allow people to seek protection um, and safety and claim asylum in their countries. And, and certainly when the conditions are appropriate um, and they meet that, that criteria that I uh, already mentioned, then of course, you know, at that moment, it becomes a very different calculation. It's time to get you in the know. Recently, the Canadian Immigration Minister, Marco Mendocino, announced a new refugee immigration stream in partnership with the Rainbow Railroad, an international organization that aims to help LGBTQ refugees and asylum seekers find a path to safety. This new stream focuses on human rights defenders, 
making Canada one of the first countries in the world to provide a dedicated refugee stream for human rights defenders at risk. Human rights defenders include journalists, human rights advocates, as well as humanitarian workers at risk. Canada aims to resettle up to 250 refugees a year with this new stream. Visit therefugeecenter.org for more information. And now, you're in the know. Again, not to, not to pivot too much, but uh, one of the campaigns that you know, the UNHCR and the Refugee Centre worked on uh, last year was kind of debunking or demystifying uh, ideas behind refugees or, you know, that they've become, they're an economic burden or um, uh, they tend to bring in more problems than they do as in strengthening society, which are all myths, of course, like these aren't things that are true. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the UNHCR feel about the rhetoric regarding refugees and asylum seekers here in Canada? And then more importantly, kind of like abroad. Uh, is this a trend? Um, it's not so much a statistical trend, but it's kind of one that we have to measure is our countries, our population starting to see refugees more in a positive light, or is it kind of like this unfortunate situation where it's become politicized a bit too much? I mean, unfortunately, we've seen an increase in some negative rhetoric, um, and even beyond that, an increase in discrimination and xenophobic attacks uh, during the rise of COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and that is largely, I think, because of uh, the fact that you know refugees are scapegoated in many places and 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 viewed in in some respects in a in a negative light um, and so that you know when when everything else around people uh, is deteriorating and declining there unfortunately has been um, in some instances a reflex uh, to to demonize refugees and and um, you know, blame them for some of the issues that that these countries are reckoning with during the COVID outbreak. But here in Canada, I mean, we we actually have, I think, a more positive and informed discourse on some of these issues. We're certainly not immune to some of of the rhetoric, which is more damaging and and ill-informed. But one of the pieces of work that UNHCR is quite proud of here in Canada is a study on um, whether or not refugees are good for Canada. And, and this study actually, by any metric or any indicator, demonstrates that refugees have a very positive integration experience in Canada. They contribute taxes uh, far more than ever was given to them in support on arrival. They uh, have a high rate of home ownership, um, attendance at post-secondary institutions. I mean, any measure that you want to look at, they're, they're successfully integrating and contributing to the to the fabric of Canadian society. And I think if you ask that question of anybody who's been lucky enough um, to be involved in the private sponsorship program, they'll tell you that they got so much more out of the experience um, than, than the refugees perhaps because their lives were so enriched um, by what they did and, and, and what they were able to learn through the experience. But you know, in a very practical way as well, um, now during COVID you see on the front lines of the response across this country and in countries around the world, Oftentimes, it's asylum seekers and refugees who are doing the jobs um, that are life-saving and really contributing to the countries that host them um, or their new home countries through that very real work um, on the front lines of of an emergency like COVID. So I think 
there's more work to be done. Um, and that's part of what we do here as well is to, to shine a light on the positive stories and try to educate people about those contributions and, and how refugees are enhancing our country uh, and not taking away from it. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, so, I mean, coming to the end of kind of our conversation, um, uh, let's be a bit on a more positive light. Like I know we've had a lot of negative uh, things to discuss about, but I mean, that's just the world that we live in today due to COVID-19. But now that, you know, COVID, the vaccine rollout has been increasing and uh, things are starting to open up more. Um, basically, uh, if we're going to make any projections uh, or trends here in Canada, where do you see Canada uh, playing a role in, in the reopening and kind of the resettlement in the next couple of years, uh, uh, whether it could be stuff that you've had personal conversations with them about or, or, or what the UNHCR expects of Canada? And, uh, and then, yeah, and, and I'll leave it to you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are constantly knocking on Canada's door and asking yeah. them to do more and, and take on more. And they've been really receptive to those calls, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've really made a strong pitch for them to have a more active role on the humanitarian side and on the asylum side in the Americas region. Just today, Canada hosted an international pledging conference on Venezuela. They're taking on the leadership of, of an important um, support platform for Northern Central America very soon. Uh, and, and resettlement is hopefully going to be returning to normal numbers and, and scaling up as the year carries on. Of course, all of this very much depends on the global situation mm-hmm. and whether or not um, you know around the world we're, we're able to return to pre-pandemic life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see positive signs and indications that we're going in the right direction. So we, we hope to continue building on that and um, and finding ourselves in a much better situation soon. And uh, just for the audience that's going to be watching this, how can they support the UNHCR? What what would you ask of them? What could they do to get involved and stuff like that? Well, there's a number of different things you can do, but I would say the first and first thing is to is to just inform yourself uh, of of the facts, distinguish the myths from reality, try and um, you know promote that positive discourse around refugee issues, and really recalling at the center of that that nobody is, you know, um, wanting to be a refugee and nobody does this by choice and really understanding the the very real human um, imperatives that drive these these dramatic movements for people. I think that's really important, Um, you know, and sharing positive information on social platforms and whenever people have conversations. And of course, you know, um, given that we're on the front lines doing emergency relief in, in many countries, we also welcome financial support um, and, and really encourage people to pay a visit to our website, unhcr.ca, where you'll see uh, and learn more information about some of the big emergencies around the world right now. Okay, with that being said, uh, thank you so much, Rima, for, for joining us and, and uh, uh, letting us know more about the UNHCR and, and all about great accomplishments your organization has done over the years. And, what you continue to do in Canada. And uh, if you all want to know more about the UNHCR, just like Rima said, you can go on their website. Uh, We definitely do recommend it. Uh, They are a great organization here in Canada and do uh, work in the best interests of of the populations that we serve. Uh, So thank you for tuning in and happy World Refugee Day for everybody uh, and see you soon.